The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. My name is Bill Acker. As Dan mentioned earlier, I'm the one who is responsible for LAMP Seminary, and I'd love to talk to you about taking a LAMP class. So if you have an interest in that, just speak to me after the service or email me and be glad to talk about that. This morning, we're going to continue our short series on the Lord's Supper, and I'll be preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. I'll begin with verse 17. This is found in your pew Bibles on page 958, and it'll extend into 959. So 1 Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 17. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Are you to despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may be, not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. But the other things I will give direction when I come. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, we do ask for your spirit to give us understanding of this passage and help us to apply the principles and instructions you give regarding the Lord's Supper to our situation in the church today. In Christ's name, amen. The Apostle Paul is attempting to bring order out of chaos in the church in Corinth. Bringing order out of chaos. We know what chaos is. If you go into my workshop on any given day, it's going to be chaotic. Or you go into my garage, 
Or you go into one of your children's room and all the clothes are strewn on the floor and the closet's empty. We know what chaos is. And chaos can be a, a difficult thing to, to kind of wrestle with because sometimes we kind of like things chaotic. I can go my works. I know where every nail, every screw is in that mess. But it reaches the point where I can't really work like I need to. And so I have to go in there with the trash can, throw away trash, put things back where they belong, sweep the floor, all that kind of stuff. You have to tell your kids, or you go in there yourself, and you, you throw all the dirty stuff down the laundry chute, and you put stuff that's clean back up on the hangers. You get things back in order. And they stay that way for a period of time. And so here the Apostle Paul is giving instructions to, brought, to bring order out of a very chaotic situation in the church in Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth was a church that had numerous problems. And we sometimes say, we want to be like a New Testament church. We say, well, which church? We don't necessarily want to be like Corinth. But they had problems regarding factions. They had problems regarding sexual immorality. They had problems regarding idols and so forth. And they had a problem regarding their celebration of the Lord's Supper. The people had a self-centered attitude. And it appears that they would celebrate the Lord's Supper in conjunction with a love feast, which is what was called a feast where they would show love to those who were poor. They would have a big meal and in conjunction with that meal, they would celebrate the Lord's Supper. But the problem was the people abused the love feast. It appears that those who had a lot would bring what they wanted to bring, and they would eat it themselves. And the poor people would, who had had nothing would get nothing. And the Lord is telling through Paul that this is not correct. They were selfish. Some people would drink too much. And you can imagine what we would think today if we had a, a church dinner and somebody brought a bunch of, of T-bone steaks they had grilled at home and kept hot and you know, we bring our green bean casserole and we set that down. And then when we get to eat, they say, hey, no, no, the steaks are for us, the green bean casserole, that's for you. That's all you're going to get. Well, we would, you know, in our culture, we, don't, we would never even think of doing that. But in their culture, that, they saw no problem with it. That's what they did. Once in a while we will run into someone who has that kind of a mindset. I can remember talking to someone, telling them that somebody's going to eat with us, and he said, well, be careful because this person has a tendency to take everything. And he said we had, them, had him at our house for dinner. We had a casserole, handed it to him first as our guest, and he literally raked everything onto his plate. Well... That's not polite manners in, in our country. And so when he was at our house, we said, well, we want to check this out. So we gave him the salad first. And, and he literally took everything and then emptied a bottle of salad dressing on the salad. He was not very socially inept. Or he was socially inept, I guess. And um, so then when it came to the main dish, we, we served him what we wanted him to have. Uh, well, you know, we don't, we don't do that normally in our culture, just take everything for ourselves. But they did in Corinth, and the poor people were, were left in the lurch because they didn't have things they could bring 
And this was a meal designed to provide for their needs. And then they would go right from that self-centered, chaotic situation into a celebration of the Lord's Supper. And it appears as though there were even some who would do the same thing there. They would take the bread for themselves and the wine for themselves and leave nothing for someone else. It, it would be like if we serve the Lord's Supper as we do and the people in the first few rows just took all the bread. There's you know, little bitty pieces. If you're hungry, just take everything. Have the cup with the little uh, gluten-free stuff. You just down all of that. And the people behind got nothing. Now, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even think of that. That's just foreign to our way of thinking. But the apostle says, you know, the way you're doing the Lord's Supper is not, is not right. So you're dishonoring Christ and his work by your attitude. So then he gives these instructions. And I, I, I struggle with what I was going to say today because, you know, you want, you want your sermons to be sort of uh, exciting and dynamic and so forth. And, you know, here's a series of instructions, you know, <laughs> How do, you, how do you do that? And, and what I came up with is that the Lord has given us things that we need to know, and it would serve us well to review these things. Now, as the centuries have gone by, churches have taken great care not to allow their celebration of the Lord's Supper to be chaotic. I don't think ours is. My guess is there are probably no churches here in, uh, in northeast Wisconsin whose celebration of the Lord's Supper is chaotic because we have learned some lessons from the church in Corinth and Paul's instruction to correct that chaotic situation. But he does tell us things that we need to, to know. So let me just kind of hit some of the high points here, and these should be in your bulletin and maybe on the screen. The first is the celebration is a remembrance. We come together not to eat so that we're full, but we come together to remember the death of Jesus Christ for our sins. That's why sometimes communion tables will have that phrase, this do in remembrance of me, on the front apron of the table. So that we, we're, we're reminded that what we are doing as we eat the bread and drink the cup is we are reflecting upon what Christ has done for us. In that sense, the Lord's Supper is symbolic. It's a symbol that teaches us about Christ's work for us. And we're people who love symbols. Sometimes we'll wear a wristband that'll have somebody's name on it. Maybe they have some disease. And we, we remember, we look back the fact that they contracted this disease. We look forward to the time when there's a cure for that disease. Years ago, there would be soldiers' names who were prisoners of war. And you would wear that, that wristband with their name, remembering that they were captive. They were prisoner of war. But the time was going to come when they would be released. In the same way, this, the Lord's Supper has both a backward view and a frontward view in terms of what we remember. We remember Christ's death and remember his coming again for us. There is a confession that we make when we take the Lord's Supper. We're told in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Now, that word proclaim could also be used, you preach the Lord's death until he comes. But it could also mean a profession of faith, a confession, that when we take this, this sacrament, we are saying that we're going to take this and we're looking forward to that time when Christ returns. It could be very soon. It could be another several thousand years. We don't know. But we simply know that when we take this sacrament, we're showing forth his death to whoever will watch until he returns. This brings us into the anticipation part. We wait for the Lord. We're looking forward to the time when he's coming. There's a thanksgiving, which is part of the celebration of this sacrament. Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. When we sit down to a meal, we will often say grace or we'll pray and we thank God for providing that meal for us. We, we thank him. We recognize that he has provided for us our daily bread. And so as we take this sacrament, we thank God that he has made provision for our, our sins. The Greek word for give thanks is a word that we, from which we get the English word Eucharist. So sometimes we'll, we'll hear the Lord's Supper referred to as the Eucharist. And it means a, a giving thanks, a recognizing that God has provided for our salvation through the work of Jesus Christ as he died in our place. We sometimes call the Lord's Supper communion. If we turn back a chapter to chapter 10, verse 16, it says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And that word which is translated participation could also be translated a fellowship or a communion, a communion with Christ. So we call the Lord's Supper communion at different times because we recognize that something happens when we eat the bread and drink the cup, that we have a connection with Christ. Christ isn't far away, but he's present in the sacrament. He's present not physically, but he's present spiritually. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper has probably been the most divisive of the sacraments. We probably wouldn't know that today, but over the years, it's been much more divisive than, say, the sacrament of baptism because there's very set views about what the Lord's Supper represents. We know that some churches believe that these elements would change into the body and blood of Christ. Other churches would believe that Christ's body is, is present with these, these elements, you know, in, with, around, over, under. We don't believe that Christ's body is here, but we believe Christ's spirit is here. And the communion, the fellowship that we have with Christ is on the spiritual level, not the physical level. We're not literally eating his body and blood in that sense, 
but we eat his body and blood in a spiritual sense. In John chapter 6, Jesus kind of talks about that. He's not talking about the Lord's Supper, but he's talking about eating his bread, eating his, his body, and drinking his blood. And we realize he's talking about something which is spiritual in that passage. Christ is spiritually present in this sacrament. There was an examination which we are to do before we partake. And this is one of the reasons why we have a concern about children taking the Lord's Supper. Because when somebody takes the Lord's Supper, they're saying, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I understand what Christ has done for me. And we want to make sure that those who take this sacrament understand that. Children can, obviously, but we just want to make sure that they do. That's why we have the communicants class, to prepare children to take communion. But nevertheless, in the Lord's Supper, as we partake the Lord's Supper, we're to examine ourselves. The Shorter Catechism, question number 97, says, What is required to the worthy receiving of the Lord's Supper? And the answer is, it's required of them that would worthily partake of the Lord's Supper, that they examine themselves of their knowledge to discern the Lord's body, of their faith to feed upon him, of their repentance, love, and new obedience, lest coming unworthily, they eat and drink judgment to themselves. We recognize that this judgment is not a judgment of damnation, but it's a judgment because the Lord is not pleased with what someone is doing. And so we examine ourselves to make sure that we are worthy to partake of the Lord's Supper. It doesn't mean that we are sinless, otherwise none of us would ever be able to take the Lord's Supper. But it means that we take the Lord's Supper in the right way, having regard for his body. Now, there are two ways that we can understand his body. One, it seems like the older commentators, the older scholars, viewed his body as truly the body of Christ that was sacrificed for us. More recent commentators would view this as an understanding of the body of Christ as the church. And there's good merit for that interpretation because of what was going on in Corinth. The people seemed not to have a regard for the body of Christ as the church. They were just selfish in their approach to spiritual things in the Lord's Supper. But nevertheless, we need to have an understanding that we are part of Christ's body. And as we partake of the sacrament, we do so as part of his body. And there's that warning, and that's one of the reasons we don't want people who are not believers to partake of this sacrament, or those who don't understand what is going on to take this sacrament, lest in some way, shape, or form, that judgment might fall on them. Now, how do we celebrate the Lord's Supper today? Calvin, John Calvin, kind of summarized what it means to receive the Lord's Supper in a worthy fashion. And he said this before the, um, the Confession of Faith was written in the Shorter Catechism. He says, you receive the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner when you come in faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. We know that when we partake of this sacrament, we are to have faith in Jesus Christ. And there's almost something intuitive when we come to this sacrament that we know that we need to confess our sins. 
because we're sinful people. And this sacrament shows the covering God has given to us. Last week, Dan talked about the Passover and the blood on the the doorpost and so forth. And this represents, and I think you did say this, this represents like blood over our heart that God passes over us in judgment because of what his son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. So faith and repentance. We're to wait for one another. And you might say, well, you don't have any choice because we pass the trays. It just takes a while to do that. I have been in services where people would come forward for celebration of the Lord's Supper. And sometimes we have done this at Jacob's Well. In the past, we did this and may, may do this in the future. And I have seen people push and shove to kind of get to the head of the line. I don't know what the rush is. It's like when you get on an airplane, everybody kind of crowds around that gate. Everybody has a ticket with a seat number. Everybody's going to be seated. You know, you don't have to be the first one on the plane unless you've got, you know, three or four bags you're trying to stuff in the overhead compartment. But everybody's going to be seated on the plane. Everybody's going to be served the Lord's Supper. So if we go back to another way that we serve the Lord's Supper, then, you know, make sure that you, you just take your turn. You don't rush ahead of somebody else. But you, you wait. I would say because of the way we serve the Lord's Supper here, it takes a few minutes to pass the trays back and forth from the front to the back. Don't be impatient. Sometimes we just want to get it over with so we can get going. And that's the wrong attitude. This is something that God has provided for us. This is something God has given to us to strengthen our faith. We don't want to rush through it just to get it done and just kind of check off that we have celebrated the Lord's Supper. In years past, the celebration of the Lord's Supper was always viewed as a very significant thing. Going back some years ago, when they didn't celebrate the Lord's Supper every week, they would have a preparatory service. Those who were going to take the Lord's Supper the following week had to be at that service. They were even given a little token that they had to present to the elders or the ushers in order to get the Lord's Supper the, the Sunday that they celebrated it. We don't do that. But that was simply a recognition that this is something which is really significant and important. So don't be impatient even as you wait for all the trays to be passed. It only takes a few minutes. And then finally, pray that God would strengthen your faith as you partake. I'm only speaking for myself, but I I imagine others feel the same way. I would have loved to have been alive 2,000 years ago when Christ was on the earth, to to have seen him and talked with him, to touch him. But I was not there. And this sacrament is a sacrament that goes back Generation by generation by generation by generation to the time of Christ. This was instituted by him as he modified the Passover. And as I have the time to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, this is my connection back to Christ himself as he instituted this sacrament, as he's present spiritually today. This helps me understand that what we read about in the Bible is really true. 
It's real. That just as the bread is real and the juice is real, so Christ is real. And for me, this is something which helps my, my faith to realize that what we are doing is something which is not in the range of myth and fables, but reality. Francis Schaeffer made a comment in one of his books that Christ was so real that if you were there and you ran your hand over the cross, you'd get splinters in your finger. And this is the closest we come to getting those splinters. By taking the Lord's Supper and to realize the reality that it speaks to us. It may be that in times to come, you may be in a situation where there's sort of a chaotic celebration of the Lord's Supper. Hopefully, that will not be the case. And hopefully, that will never be the case here. But just remember that there, there is to be an order. It's a solemn but joyful sacrament as we remember Christ's death for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we do thank you for the instruction that we have in this passage. And Lord, we, I think we know these things. I, I would view what I said this morning as more of a, a reminder of, of what you've told, to, told us. But Lord, we have a tendency to forget. And we have a tendency to, to be impatient. We have a tendency to to want something without having to, to work for it, I suppose. And help us not to have that attitude with the Lord's Supper. Help us to, to be reflective, to think, to pray. Help us, Father, to, to be introspective in a sense. Help us, Father, to do all these things which you tell us in this passage and to recognize that there is a great truth which is portrayed in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as we are spiritually feasting on Christ. In his name, amen.